It's Friday night. You know what that means. Mm. It's time for another exciting episode of The Devil's Do, and we are live for technically our third live show, if you want to get technical. Um, we're trying something out here, folks. If you are listening, just listening to the podcast, thank you, as always. Uh, we are doing a live video cast uh, as the obviously the global pandemic is continuing. We've got, uh, you know, vaccines are coming out, but it's still going to be a while before Drew and I can sit across from each other and record. So we thought we'd explore this option. Um, and we're going to have a really fun show. We're looking forward to it. Uh, but before we get into our usual fare, uh, we would be remiss if we did not stop and pause for a moment to do something we unfortunately have had to do a lot this year and a lot in recent years, and that is to remember a life. Um, this past week, it was announced that uh, John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee of AEW Wrestling and many others, uh, passed away, unfortunately due to a lung disease it was not covid related um and this this really hurt i'm not gonna lie and it's funny because like it didn't hurt right away for me because i didn't have an idea of who this man was like i knew who he was in the ring he was the exalted one he was Brody lee in the dark order you know he's great in ring but the the unanimous outpouring of love and affection from the entire wrestling world, not just AEW, from the entire wrestling world made us, made me realize that this world has lost a good man. Um, a son, two sons are left without a father, a wife is left without a husband, and um, a good man is lost. So we just want to pause for a moment and just talk about uh, Brody Lee really quickly. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Drew because in this area, Drew is much more expert than I am. I will simply say um, live, try to, something I've always tried to say is Live your life in service to others in such a way that your funeral is standing room only. Because from everything I've seen this past week or so, this man's funeral would be standing room only. So, Drew, tell us about Brody Lee, uh, the man, the performer. Um, tell us why this hurts so much. Well, Brody Lee, um, where do I begin about Brody Lee? Number one, Rochester guy. So for us here in the western New York area, um, pretty close to home, fair enough, right? And yeah. uh, he was big on the independent scene. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend that I was his biggest fan or even knew of him back in those days, okay? Uh, he first came on my radar when he showed up in WWE um, as uh, Luke Harper, uh, a member of the Wyatt family stable which was like a little cult stable. He wasn't the leader, but he was kind of like the muscle of the group. And due to his size, his athletic ability, his amazing 
facial expressions that could express like complete derangement. Uh, he immediately like screamed at me as like someone to watch. And I was really hoping that he was going to get some level of push in that company because he just looked like a guy who had it all right. Um, didn't quite work out that way in WWE. And mm, that, that tends to be the case for a lot of people where the potential is just not realized there. So, um, I, I, you know, I wanted more for him and he asked for his release from WWE last year. He was not granted that release. Um, they held him out, uh, to the duration of his contract. He was being paid, you know, very well. I mean, not to WWE say what you want. It, you will make you will make your money there for sure. But there is also a glass ceiling that you might never uh, overcome there. So he saw that, recognized it, and wanted it to go. So as he fulfilled his contract, and um, he came to AEW. Now, the plan for him, at, I don't know if they had one exactly, at least initially, um, the same dynamite, um, that the, the same dynamite, number one was the first dynamite canceled due to COVID. It was supposed to be in Rochester, New York. Brody was going to debut there. We were going to be there. Um, sorry, that, um, I, I breaks my heart even more now knowing that, that we didn't get to see that. Um, but on that same episode, uh, Brody debuted when they, you know, they did it in, in, uh, Jacksonville. But Brody debuted and Matt Hardy debuted. And forever, the big speculation was that um, the leader of the Dark Order was going to be Matt Hardy. Because Matt Hardy had a sort of crazy, spooky, spooky aligned you know, gimmick that could work well with Dark Order. So when Brody debuted as the Exalted One, it was kind of surprising. But then immediately seeing the direction they took his character, like I was like, this is this is great and this guy's going to shine in this role and he did shine in that role he got that whole group over when they were like i'm not going to say that they were not over but at the end of last year um they were not over fans were not into the dark order at the time like and i you know i i had faith in them only because i i i had seen super smash brothers that being evil uno and Stu grayson i had seen them you know, on independent shows, and I knew that they were great. So I had faith that Dark Order was going to work at some, you know, in some way. But when Brody showed up, that's when it all came together, and he got that whole stable on the same page and made them instantly more credible. And then, not just on the program on Dynamite, if Carl, I know you watch it based on me telling you to, but uh, if you watch yeah. Being the Elite on Mondays. Dark Order has basically stolen that show for the last, like, what, six months or more? And he, yep. the, dark, the Dark Order segments were tremendous. Re and they still are, regularly. But when Brody was there, oh my god, he, he owned, he owned it so hard. So hard. His commitment to his character was so good. And his interaction with the other guys in the stable were so good. He got everyone in that stable over just by interacting with them. Like John Silver, Silver and 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 Brody, man. Like it's it's gut wrenching, knowing you know that that's gone. It's 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 brutal. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there's so many highlights. You can watch the BTE and just watch all those highlights that they put together last week for, for Brody. And like all of them, the, the paper throwing got, oh God, the first time he did it, it was so hilarious <laughs> that they just made it a thing. I think it was an accident, but it just turned, it was so perfect that they, you know, it's just, that's just yeah. a thing. And then, um, the one I, it's, it's, you know, it was funny at the time, but now thinking back on it, uh, it makes me like well up thinking about it when uh, they had Trent's mom in the in the in the room, oh. and he threw the paper. Or she he told her to throw the papers at at Silver, That's and so she totally whiffed and threw it at the floor. And he didn't <laughs> he didn't like it's the first time he kind of broke broke. He cracked a little, he cracked a little but then he said, "You better lay down for Sue." And you so, fall down. Yeah. You fall down for Sue. Oh man, and and Silver did that was. He's just so new, awesome. Use language we can't use on the show. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down for Oh, that and it, you know, and then you and so I was I I so I like Brody. I liked Brody Lee, the performer. I loved him. I lo- and his match with Moxley was awesome. That chain match with Cody, which it turns out was his last match. That match was excellent. That match was great. Yeah. Like Brody had officially like arrived. His title match with Moxie was good, but then when he squashed Cody for the TNT title and had that 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 month long reign, like suddenly it felt like Brody is a big deal now. He is a main event player in the company, and that was the end. He disappeared, and no one would say why. It was like a total state secret. Um. I kept thinking they're just saving. They're just not, the, you know. If the, I, you know, the guy wants his privacy for whatever injury he has, and he'll come back unexpectedly, and, and it'll be awesome. And they're just trying to keep that surprise. But that was not the case, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. He had the lung thing, and they found out about it as far back as October. Yeah, I think October or something like that. I, I my timeline. I don't don't quote me on yeah. that, but the company did know that something was wrong. And they they kept everything quiet for the the sake of the family to honor their wishes. And dude, I I, I can't believe I can't believe that the guy's gone. I just I just can't believe yeah. it. Um, it, and like you said, yeah. the out the outpouring of of everyone everyone who'd ever worked with the guy, singing yeah. his praises and saying what a just what a great man he was family man loved his wife loved his kids all this went out of his way to help basically everyone he worked with he paid for the, the dark orders ring gear like you know he fought for them to have the positions they had in the company because he he wanted to build that group up and he knew that he could like he just gave he get he like you know he knew he was a made guy so he used his position yeah. to help these other guys that no one's ever heard of. And now look at him. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's just, it's so hard to believe, dude. It's so sad. It's just so, so sad. Um, yeah. his, uh, his tribute show was this past Wednesday on Dynamite. And from, from the 10 bell salute, I was rolling tears right up until the end. Yeah, because it's it's like I said, man. You know, uh, the world lost a good man, and the loss of a truly good person is something that should be felt by all of us. And by all accounts, 
this guy was a good was a good person. Yeah, and so, and props to uh, to AEW putting that show together. Um, I know, I, I you know as much as I can can sympathize and uh, um, as much as I can sympathize with a a billionaire. Um, I I I have all the respect for Tony Khan, uh, and for for putting that show together. According to yeah. um, according to Pete, according to Dave Meltzer, uh, he had a show written. He couldn't sleep at all, and spent spent up all night, stayed up all night throughout the entire thing, and rewrote the entire show to what we yeah. to, to what we got. Um, yep. And then if you watched. Uh, the the outtake like the fact that he even was on television to present the TNT title for life to Brody's son like Tony Tony Khan doesn't go on TV in character often at least not on AEW TV wink wink impact yeah. but but that's you know um I I, I feel for him in a way because like when this guy got into the business a couple years ago getting into the wrestling business right. I, I don't yep. I don't know that when you decide to do something like that you think at some point in your in your tenure you're gonna have to put together a tribute show for a guy who dies unexpectedly that that is just so yeah. beloved. Like you know what I mean? I, I so props to him for uh having a super classy tribute show and doing right by the family, doing right by everyone to to to, to put that show on. That that extra clip they did after Dynamite, they they posted on Facebook crushed me again today yeah so we just wanted to start out and talk about this for a bit <sighs> yeah uh, it sucks man. Right. so obviously it goes without saying you know for our little show here for the couple of people who might be watching or the people who might listen to this later um obviously this episode is dedicated to the memory of Brody lee and to his family um, and we're going to send one out for Mr. Brody Lee. Drew, I'm holding up. I got papers, Drew! <laughs> I got papers! Put your head forward, Drew! Put your head forward! I'm going to... Well done. Well done. Well done. That's right. That's right. That's how we do it here on Let's stand on ceremony. Yes, by all means, dark order salute. Um, Did you notice Orange Cassidy's, by the way, which was excellent? (laughs) Was it like he? He he was like, and 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 he kind of went like that, and he looked. He he did the facial like it like it was giving. It was crushing him to do it. Anyway, all right. So, folks, we're gonna we're gonna stand on some ceremony here. Listen, we've gotten some emails over the past couple weeks. We appreciate the emails so much. I'm just gonna adjust here for a little bit because you you know when you hit your camera (laughs) with a big stack of papers. Um, We've got a bunch of emails. We love you guys. Thank you so much for the emails. Next episode is going to be a completely listener and viewer controlled episode. We're going to do all the emails we missed up to this point because the past two weeks we've had some great guests. We've had a lot of big things happen in the news. So we wanted to make sure to give all that it's devil's due. Um, so, and we've we got a show for you tonight. 
We see that some of you are watching. We appreciate welcome. If you're watching us live on our Facebook page, by all means, feel free to put something in the chat. If we, you know, we are monitoring the chat and, you know, interact with us, interact with each other. This is a new thing for us, so we're kind of finding our way with it. And we'll do our best to integrate the chat with the show. But to get back to some ceremony, sir, how was your weeks, your holiday weeks? Holiday weeks were good. Um, we're standing on ceremony, right? Yes, we are standing on ceremony. Oh, boy. Oh, my. We're standing on ceremony. It has to be done. Is Facebook going to knock us off because you're drinking on the air? I don't care. That <laughs> <laughs> defeats the purpose. Suck it, suck it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right tonight for those who are curious it is um whoa it is the greater good brewing company a juicy imperial five hopped ipa greater good v there you go see that's what i got i don't think i've ever heard of beer referred to as juicy juicy is uh the term Think of like juicy fruit gum. Um, if if the the new modern IPAs are kind of um, we call them juicy because they're less bitter, they're more. I don't want to say sweet, but they just have a juicier taste to them. Um, and an amazingly amazingly dank aroma. So anyway, my holiday weeks were fantastic, man. Um, let's see, where do we begin? Do we talk about Christmas? Christmas was nice. Um, yeah, we haven't talked. The, the dude, the dude got lots of uh, lots of fun stuff. Um, yeah, he got a cuckoo clock, which uh, from his favorite episode of Puppy Dog Pals, he's obsessed with cuckoo clocks. So I got him one, and it's it's ad- nice. it's adorable. He says good night to it when the bird comes out at night. Uh, <laughs> we got him um, the little tyke trampoline that I think you have for William. Yep. He is not yep. so crazy about it yet, so hopefully he'll get on that and uh you know burn out some burn some energy because we need him to burn some energy um let's see i mean for myself um jen got me uh, a really awesome ninja air fryer so i uh did up some um bacon wrapped scallops in that bad boy last night that turned out dynamite so that was pretty cool um got a whetstone so i can sharpen my my cutlery um which is a skill that i have to uh, practice at, but I did a uh, pretty decent job for my first time on one of my one of my knives. Um, new cutting, yeah. new cutting board, um, mostly culinary kind of stuff um, for Christmas. Yes. It's fine, I, you know. Toys for me these days are ridiculously expensive, and I'll just I'm going to get that stuff for myself. So not a you know. Christmas was great, man. Everyone's happy and healthy, and uh, you know I made uh, an excellent Christmas dinner. I made some uh, ricotta gnocchi with uh, pomodoro sauce, which turned out amazing. Uh, it might be the new Christmas staple, I think, actually. Uh, yeah. Ooh. So that was cool. And that aside, uh, New Year's last night, not not much. You know, we don't, we have a kid, dude. We're, we're not staying up to midnight yeah. anyway. I made, um, Again, I made uh, some strip steaks and the bacon wrapped scallops that I previously mentioned, and everything turned out great. So we're good, um, ready to leave 2020 behind forever. Um, but remember, I would just caution everyone: um, things don't magically improve just because the calendar flips. So 
Yep. Let's make sure that 2021 is awesome by being awesome to each other, taking care of each other. We can being excellent that's, to each other. That's right. And and by being excellent to each other, eventually we can party on dudes. It's it's a solid mathematical equation. The science is tight. That's I'm I'm yeah. for it. I'm for it. How was how was your holidays? Our holidays were good. Um, normally, our Christmas exists in a three rounds. Uh, Christmas Eve is usually at Julie's family's house, and the presents are open there. Christmas morning is usually just her and I and William, and then Christmas uh, night, Christmas dinner, Christmas night is usually at my mom's house. Obviously, all that did not happen this year for obvious reasons. Um, so, but Christmas Eve, we had a big, you know, Zoom call with the family, did some opening presents and whatnot. Uh, Christmas morning, we, you know, we opened up our presents to each other and, and then, you know, FaceTimed with my mother, uh, later on and, you know, she did the presents here. Uh, Julie got me some really great stuff. Uh, she got me these, these, uh, Transformers Funko Pops that are great. Ah, nice, nice. That she got me a Soundwave, Megatron, an Optimus Prime, and a Jazz Killer. Uh, so <laughs> they were really good. I got a neat cell phone holder that is around here somewhere. Um, I got this really cool hat from the in-laws. Saw that, like uh, it. I got, I got a couple hats, a T-shirt. I got some good stuff. Great. Um, Julie, Julie got a new Lego set. That is very, very big and many, many pieces. I got her the uh, the Stranger Things. The upside uh, down set. Yep. Yep, yep. Cool. Um, very oh, cool. I got a new coffee grinder mm. because I've been, being, I've been wanting two coffee grinders because variety is the spice of life. Sure, sure, sure. And normally I like something um, light to medium in the morning and something darker in the afternoon. And to, like, be switching that stuff out back and forward in one grinder is a little um, uh, annoying. So now I have two grinders, which is really cool because I've wanted two grinders. Cool. And I've got my hydro on a new coffee machine. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Cool. Uh, I've got my, I'm kind of going... My my desire to learn and develop my coffee brewing skills has been reinvigorated these past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that was my holidays. Uh, New Year's, again, we have a toddler, so we're not even attempting to stay up past midnight. We watched the uh, Death of 2020 mockumentary on Netflix, which is stinking hilarious. And I highly recommend anyone watch it. Um, oh, another thing I got for Christmas that my son and I are enjoying immensely is Julie got me the entire three-season run of Batman, the Brave, and the Bold. Mm. Now, like many, many others, I kind of dismissed this show when it first came out as being lighthearted and kiddie. Uh, but when I explored it later on, I found that, yes, it is lighthearted, but it is also... An amazing, amazing love letter to the Silver Age of Comics. And just fantastically done. And 
William absolutely loves it. It's a great show that I can watch with him. It's not giving him nightmares like, you know, the Batman, the animated series did. We'll wait <laughs> to do so for that. Um, so, yeah, but New Year's, I think we were in bed by 11.30, quarter after 11 at the most. We didn't, I don't, like, fall drop great, but not. Nah, but I'm good. It, it was it was nice of the neighborhood folk to wake up my son a quarter after 12 with fireworks. Oh, that's the worst. That that's the worst. Crazy. But you know what? I mean, given the the crap just year that 2020 was, I, I'm not going to hold it against them. People need to blow <laughs> off steam. He woke up. He fell back asleep just as quickly. So, Well, that's good. That's but, good. People earned a little bit of celebration this year. That's for sure. True, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, those were our weeks, dear listener. As always, we would like to hear from you. If you would like to talk to us, communicate to us, you can do so right now in the chat, or you can find us on one of the following social media locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can go to our Facebook page. And like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash devils do. If you're watching this broadcast, you're there right now. So, hey, like the page. Uh, you can email us at the devils do pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the devils do podcast.com. Um, aside from this endeavor of the video uh, podcast that we're going to, you know, be experimenting with for a little bit, we are also now available on Spotify. So you can check us out there as well. So here's what we got going for you, folks. Um, we got two mini reviews to do and kind of a big, larger scale discussion. So um, our big, larger scale discussion is going to focus around Mandalorian Season 2. So we will get to that eventually. Uh, but over the holidays, especially on Christmas Day, we got a lot of uh, off big screen offerings on the little screen through streaming services. The two key ones of which being Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max and Soul. Um, So we're just going to do kind of like some mini reviews of those. Uh, Drew is going to take Soul because I think um, as much as, you know, spoilers, I love Soul. I thought it was a masterwork. I think it speaks to Drew on a deeper level because of his uh, musical background. And then I will talk a bit about Wonder Woman 84. So Drew, tell the people about Soul. Soul was, uh, I mean, is it, if I tell you Soul is a great Pixar movie, it's almost an oxymoron. Like, aren't all Pixar movies basically great? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's great, great is the, their starting line. Yeah, pretty much. Great is the default setting. Um, so I, I really enjoyed Soul. Um, do I put it on the Toy Story level? Hard to say. Um, it's a high bar, obviously. And then Toy Story 3. I, you know, to be honest, I still haven't seen 4. But I feel like the emotional uh, fallout from 3 still isn't done with me. So I don't know that I'm ready to watch 4. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's the level of uh, of like love and craft that they put into those movies. So Toy Story 3 is like a watershed film uh, <laughs> for me in a lot of ways. Um Right in the feels. Uh, Soul is, is great, though. Um, I didn't quite get the 
pure bawling emotion that I did a Toy Story 3 per se, but um, in terms of a uh, resonant story for me personally, um, Soul, Soul does a good job. Um, the main character, uh, John? My, uh, I believe so. Okay. I'm, I should know that, right? That's, <laughs> <laughs> I know 22 is the other character. That I know. Um, yes. In any case, uh, he's, a, you know, he's a jazz musician. Now, I am not a jazz musician, so by, by, no, by no means... Joe? 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 Joe. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure it's Joe. Doi. Anyway, um, I'm not saying that I'm on the level of a jazz musician by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not even close. Not even close. But um, I understand the feeling of um, elation, um, the, the, the way music can kind of just transcend your, your everything and put you in a place, um, in a headspace, in a, in, a, in a trance almost. It's other, it is otherworldly, um, as the movie actually makes into a plot point. Um, I that 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 I felt deeply and I totally um I totally empathize with the with Joe in the movie like he's been waiting his whole life for like the big break now not to say that I have you know in quite the same way but I you know I'm a musician I have a band I have new, I I put out music I play shows I I do that for myself cuz I love to do it but I'm not going to lie for a good stretch of my, you know, at least, I mean, be, not so much in the last X amount of years, but when you, you know, start out doing this, you know, you do hope that a break will come of some kind where you can get out in front of more and more people and you're afforded more opportunity, be that through a record deal or just more recognition in general. Right. Um, always wanting, always waiting for that, that moment. So, that's Joe's whole life is waiting for that moment. And that really like, I was like, man, I, I, I know that feeling very well. Um, and then right when he gets it, life, uh, ends for Joe <laughs> in a literal sense. Um, but he has to then, you know, learn the lesson. Cause these movies are always about learning a lesson in some way. Uh, but that's twofold. Cause the, the the soul he comes in contact with also needs to learn a lesson as well so they mutually benefit each other and both learn something and both give something to the other and there's a happy ending for for everybody um i thought it was a beautiful movie um the soul portions of it like the soul world portions i thought were uh typical animation style that was like almost the 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 real world sections were almost jarring because they felt like some kind yeah. of a other like uncanny valley uh like it, it was almost like watching the uh did you ever see the old genesis video for land of confusion with the puppets yeah. it was kind of yeah. looked like that it freaked me out a bit um i think, I think it's because it was like a higher detailed environment that oh yeah pixar new york looked beautiful in pixar but but even but the the character features were just like oh my god this is bizarre i felt like i was watching the phil collins puppet <laughs> like the whole time <laughs> but it was great um great uh performances by all the voice cast and all that and um the music 
uh, you don't need me to tell you, but the music was stellar, and not just the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross stuff, which was excellent, by the way, but even all the jazz stuff was just dynamite. I'm not, I don't listen to jazz or anything. I'm not going to be all like, oh, I, I like jazz. Like I'm not that guy, right? But I appreciate good music when I hear it. And like when I heard the music in that movie, I'm like, this is wonderful. It's great, great stuff. Really conveys um, all the emotion that the movie's trying to, to convey in a great way. So musically beautiful, um, great message in the story, excellent, just good movie. I, I really enjoyed Soul. Nice. It's the considering like the story they were telling and the characters they were using. One might think that like Trent and Atticus would be a surprising choice to score the film. Yeah, <laughs> Pixar, it, Disney, still, Trent Reznor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still I mean, we're, you you mentioned Toy Story in yeah. the beginning, and I'm thinking about it. I know you don't like to do this, but I typically like to do this. If I was to make a top five list of Pixar films, I don't think any of the Toy Story films would crack my top five. Oh, and that's not that's not to say I don't like them. Toy Story is you well. Know, Toy Story's Hall of Fame, but like a lot of their other stuff has spoken to me more on an emotional level uh, than Toy Story has, hmm. which is strange because as we've discussed on the show, obviously I was very spoiled as a kid and had a lot of toys. Um, but yeah, like something like, I know you'll probably roll your eyes at this, but we, we're we connect in different ways with different things, but like cars three to me is such an emotional story. Mm. Um, like I feel a real emotional connection to that. Cause that movie is essentially a love letter to American grassroots, American autoways, which is something that I have a strong connection with through my father. Um, so, but yeah, so I thought soul was an absolute masterwork. And would definitely watch it again. Um, Wonder Woman 84, so on I, the other hand... I have not watched this. I do not have HBO Max. So I'm going to have to trust you okay. on this one. Go. So... <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying there's going to be a little bit of compartmentalization going on here with Wonder Woman 84 as with our Mandalorian discussion. At least on my part. Let me say this. Wonder Woman 84 is, as a film is not good. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Wow. It, <laughs> it's, it's not. So I hear. Yeah, the, the story is just kind of a, a hot mess. It's all focused around a wishing rock. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, take the part of the third act of Aladdin, where Jafar becomes the genie. Okay. And make a Wonder Woman movie out of that. It's, it's not, it, it's just. This, okay. Here's, before you begin, before you give your review. All I can say to that yeah. is my gut says that's hokey and that should never have left the first writer's room meeting where that was discussed. 
That's that's my gut. However, if you look back at the history of comics, uh, there's been far hokier stories in the Silver Age, especially where. So so you know if they're if they're going for a Silver Agey kind of thing, then that's perfectly fine. And that's that's perfectly viable point to take from it. Um, there are things in there though that you could have flushed out or explained a little bit better. Um, that's saying something. Considering isn't the movie like like ridiculously long? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So here are the things I liked about it. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman still fantastic. You know what I equate this to? I equate this to like Superman three and four, where Christopher Reeve is oh. still fully believable and fully awesome as Superman in those films. But you're like, Superman, what are you doing in this terrible movie? <laughs> and Gal Gadot still has that presence. She carries. She has that amazing, uh, just screen presence as Wonder Woman and Diana that is still there in this film. Um, the uh, Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, as Barbara Minerva. Fantastic. I really would have liked her to me be the main bad. Um, and it was... They handled her really great. Um, it almost didn't need to be set in 1984 because they didn't do anything with that. Like, you would think even the soundtrack would be kind of thumping with that, and it just wasn't. That's kind of a bummer. They did the Invisible Jet, which was kind of cool, but then you're also giving her the ability to fly-ish. Her Her flight in this movie is akin to Superman's flight when he was first starting out. It's not so big big jumps proper, kind of like right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so the film itself, taken solely as a film, is not great. That being said, there is still a lot of value here. The value is the fact that. I'm sitting here watching this film and I'm not able to really full throttle enjoy it because the things that I'm perceiving as not being great um, are just kind of on the screen right there, putting themselves on my face. Now, my best friend, Jim, his daughter, Ray is around about the same age as, as William, you know, four, three and a half, four ish. Absolutely loves Wonder Woman. She doesn't care about any of this. And she is watching this movie and she is running around and she is having a blast because she is getting Wonder Woman. My friend Susie, who is around about, you know, my age group, grew up with the Wonder Woman Linda Carter series. Wonder Woman, you know, she wasn't she may I and I don't know this for absolute certain, so Susie, if I'm getting this wrong, I apologize for this. She may not have been a comic book reader, but she loved the film because she saw Wonder Woman. 
And there is a value to this character being present in the zeitgeist that this film still maintains. Did it have a scene like the No Man's Land scene in the first film? Did I ever feel those emotions throughout that film? No, I didn't. But you know what? Others did. And Mm. that has value that goes beyond whether or not it's a good film. So if you were to sit down and ask me, is Wonder Woman a good film? I would say no. But I'm happy that it exists. Because you know what, Drew? I've got my Spider-Mans. We have got Daredevil and other things we're going to talk about later. And when there is a part of fandom, for lack of a much better word, that can take joy from this existing and take joy from watching it, despite its quality, what have you, that has value and that's a good thing. So... I'm okay with Wonder Woman 84. I don't think it's a good film, but you know what? There are those out there who are watching it and having a great time, and especially in the year we've just come out of, that's a good thing. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So not, Woman, so not good. Diana may or may not have, you know, sexually assaulted a guy. I heard that. That's really weird. Yeah. And she spent, like, what, 40-plus years, like, not dating other dudes? It's like, okay. I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying. Mistakes were made. The plot holes are p- plentiful. Okay, just checking. Okay. Very holy film. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. What, is, is it? At the point where I would tell you to not watch it at all. No. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say enjoy it for what it's trying to be. That helps. Feels like a big missed opportunity if, if based on what, it, you're, what you're telling it, me. It is. Because the, fir- the first like, one was, was really good. So the first one was solid. Right. I mean. Like, some a little bit in the third act, but yeah. overall... Solid A A minus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed it, well, and um, I you know, it, I thought it set DC up, and it, I mean, you know, look, they'll take the wins where they can get them. Yeah, the first Wonder Woman was a was a definite win. So yeah, it it it's a bummer that the sequel seems to have not quite got there. Which and again was surprising given the talent they had involved. You had Gal Gadot back, you had Patty Jenkins uh, yeah. directing it, and um. A lot of things. I really appreciate what they did with the ending because the ending wasn't necessarily a punch the bad guy till he can't get up anymore thing. It was it was kind of smarter than that. Good. Well, that's good. But even like in the execution of that, still leaves. But wait, what about? So you know what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, that's Wonder Woman eighty four. And given that it takes place in 1984, we don't have to worry about Superman showing up or Batman, because in whatever canon we have, they don't really exist yet, right? Right. Um, There is a mid-credits scene, 
I mean, probably should have prefaced this by saying spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But spoilers. There is a mid credit scene that is nice. It's it's fan service, and I don't say that in a negative way. But like in the movie they establish they they tell you about the golden armor she's wearing, the Kingdom Come inspired armor. Mm-hmm. And it was worn by another Amazonian who was helping the Amazonians escape the world of man. And you know, it was this Amazonian did that and wasn't heard from again. And the Amazonian shows up in the mid credit scene and she saves like a mother and her baby from a falling telephone pole. Um, and she turns around and it's Linda Carter. Oh, and that's awesome. That's awesome. But you know what? Like real missed opportunity. I think I was listening to uh, to fat man beyond. Uh, I mean, obviously whenever Mark Bernard is going to rewrite something, I'm usually going to be on board with his idea. And he had a really great idea of, you know, have her in the film and have Diana go to her at, like, for counsel when she's at, like, this pivotal character crossroads that she reaches in the film. Mm. Um, so it just kind of missed opportunity there. But, yeah. So Wonder Woman 84, you know, I'm glad it exists. Okay. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad my friend's daughter as something that she can watch and run around to and get really excited for the way we did when we were kids. Fair enough. So, all right, moving on. Yes. And folks, again, if you're, if you are watching, feel free to comment in the chat. We're keeping an eye on it. If you see me looking away, that's usually just me taking a look at the chat, seeing uh, what's going on there. Um, so moving on. Mandalorian season two wrapped up two weeks ago, I think. Two or three, yeah, feels about right. Yeah. And we haven't really uh talked a lot about Mandalorian season two. Uh that would be the fault of the gentleman to my left or right. What have you? Which one? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I'm literally looking at three different screens of myself, just monitoring. <laughs> both of them. Um. So yeah, you know, obviously, we would we would have liked to come at you with episode reviews, but other stuff happened. So we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about the season as a whole. And Drew, I you know what? I think we have to start at the end. And we have to start with the the five hundred pound gorilla in the room. Do we? I guess we do. And 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 then we yeah. can get into we can get into whether or not that's a good thing or not. Yeah. So starting at the end, starting at the season finale, and again, compartmentalization. There's there's three there's three facets in which I'm looking at this. There is how I felt in the moment that it happened. Uh-huh. Looking at its application to the story, to the Mandalorian as a series as a whole. Yes. And then looking at the effects this event has caused afterwards. Right. So 
get, starting with the first one, how how we felt in the moment that it happened. So I woke up the Friday it came out. I actually woke up early. We're prefacing with spoilers, it. right? By the way, yeah, spoilers, folks. <laughs> We're going to spoil the entire season. Okay. Just making spoilers, sure. Spoilers. spoilers. You're being warned. Yes. So, I woke up early Friday morning, get out and watch it, because I knew, obviously, season finale, the spoilers were going to be out there more than normal. So I got up, I watched it, watching the episode, then the X-Wing shows up. And I'm like, they wouldn't. Would they? Uh... And, and sure enough, they did. And Luke Skywalker showed up. And you know what? In that moment, everything that was 2020, everything that was bad and horrific and just had clawed its way at my soul over the past year just kind of disappeared. And for a brief moment, I had my father back. Mm. And it was wonderful. And I was in tears. And William was up with me and he was watching and he he left the room and he went... <laughs> He goes and he wakes up Julie and he says, Mom, Dad is really crying. <laughs> so she comes out to the living room worried that something is terribly wrong. What now? 2020? <laughs> and I just I just looked at her and went, It's Luke. And she looked at the screen, and she knew, she saw, and she knew, and she like understood. Obviously, she didn't get as emotional as I did, but she was like, "All right, <laughs> nobody's dying. I'm gonna go, you know, start to wake up and whatnot, and get ready for the thing." Um, but like, just that that moment that 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 piece of our childhood could come back and be fully realized in front of us in a way we had never imagined before. Um, obviously, you've seen the comparisons online between that and the hallway scene from Rogue One. Right, right. Uh, both, both are both scenes. I feel fulfill the promise that was made, but couldn't quite be shown in the films of what these characters actually were or grew into. Um, we saw like a fully realized Jedi Master. Luke Skywalker in his Jedi Prime, something we never ima- never imagined we'd seen, and it was just it was an incredible, incredible moment of emotional experience and registration that I would put up there with the portal scene in Endgame. As far as an emotional experience, 
So that those were my emotions in the moment. What about you, sir? Um, I'll echo most of that, honestly. Um, my my, I had the same kind of feeling like they wouldn't, right? But then again, would they? So, yeah, as soon as, as soon as I saw the X-Wing, I thought, well, my, I guess my immediate thought when I saw the X-Wing was they already set up the X-Wings earlier in the season with the yeah. Ranger guys or, or whatever those guys are, those, those patrol guys that were tracking Mando and gave him a pass, yeah. you know, th- those guys. Um, and later on, they see Cara Dune, I think, right? But, but anyway, yeah. um, so I thought maybe it's one of them, right? Like they're they're gonna show up but then but in the back of my mind i'm like i don't know that's a little those guys showing up to save the day is a little bit of a week a little weak right yeah given what we've established what they established in that episode fighting one dark trooper is like like those two guys show up that's just two more bodies on the pile well, the, you know, you could Deus Ex, you could Deus Ex Machina, which they did it anyway, uh, in any any number of ways. You know, they bombed the hangar, or uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever. But so for a split second, my thought was, okay, well, maybe it's it's them, it's them. But then, no, no, it wasn't. Um, I think the second, because I think the first that you see him from behind, so you just see a, cl- a cloak, and it's like. Well that, cloak. well, that could be anybody's cloak. But then when he like yeah. turns around and he's still in the cloak, but I saw the black and the belt buckle, and I went, oh. No, because at first they're just showing him on the monitor fighting the dark troopers. Yeah, and but the it's monitor's, it, the monitor's not in color. I, 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 I don't remember the exact sequence, but I think like I, I there was a re- there was a revelation point where at yeah. first you see the cloak, well, and I saw the belt buckle. Well no, well, no, because William loves this episode, so I've seen this episode like eight times. Not because I've cho- chosen to. Don't get me wrong, but William's new favorite thing is saying, "Dad, can we watch Dark Trooper Mando?" And I'm like. Okay. Um, so, no, like, you see him fighting the Dark Troopers first on the monitor, and that's kind of like where you're thinking they couldn't? The moment of true realization is when they show the lightsaber on the screen, and it's green. Yeah. 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 Like, you don't see the belt yeah. buckle until they open the doors of the bridge. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah, the green lightsaber was like the okay, yeah, it's Luke. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we're going to look past the bad CGI. Just putting that out there. Face. Not, not... I got bumped on, I bumped on it for, like, a brief moment. Not Disney's best effort. Let's, let's put it, let's put that there. Him, him and Gene's guy kind of hang out, I think, together. Uh, in any case, um, so, yeah, emotionally... A lot, a lot. Yeah. Um. And I have a, I have a. How do, how do I want to get into this? I got a big thing. I got to get. I got to relay about this scene. Um. But first, let's just get into the Mandalorian. Why are you talking about the emotion of the moment? Let's we'll stick to the moment. 
this moment crystallized uh, 20 plus years of things for me though so we have to talk about that at some i mean i've been i've been i've been really mulling this over so i got i've been taught telling telling people i'm going to get it out here so at some point i have to get all this out um so in the moment fantastic fan service at its finest but yet in the story given when the story takes place it it's it makes sense like who else could it be? Oh, you know what I mean. It's, it. Who else yeah. could it be? It can't. It can't be anybody so, else. Yeah, so, so, uh, so I accept. So, I accept that. I. I know the story being told. This is who it has to be. Great. Yeah. Moment. So fantastic. Now, yeah. Get, so like, transitioning to the implication on the story, like you mentioned, given when the story is taking place, given what happened previously in the season, you know. Going into this episode, everyone said, like, the, the most common belief was, if a Jedi is going to show up in the the last episode of the season, it's either going to be Ezra Bridger from the Rebels series, yeah, yeah. or the, like, the long shot was Cal Kestis, uh, the protagonist of the Jedi Fallen Order uh, video game, which... They've shown this year nothing is off the table for inclusion. Yeah. We'll get to that. In- yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, a couple episodes prior, you put up a big flare in the force. And if you're putting that kind of chum in the water, obviously the biggest shark in the ocean is going <laughs> to come it up. And the, the Empire Drew needed a bigger boat. Because they weren't ready. No, um, they were not. They were not. Um, so yeah, um, there's, as far there's, as like, there, oh, I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, as as far as the the story, it's because it's such a major moment. It's kind of jarring to the story, a character of that caliber being included. But again, it makes sense for the story. And people are like saying, like, are we going to see more of Luke or whatnot? Yada yada. And, you know, mm. do Favreau and Filoni have the Death Star size testicular fortitude to bring out that character for that one appearance and then just say, okay, you know, that's, that's your Luke and, and move on from there? They might. They might not. Who knows? I, I think... Uh, you you might get an, another glimpse, but I think you yeah. got you got you got all you got the the most of what they're going to give you. I'm I'm very happy with what we got, Absolutely. and I don't need more. I don't need more. I do not because do it like yeah. there's you can't do that. You can't you can't elicit that reaction again, right? Yeah, we've seen it, and. I'm glad we saw it. I don't need to see it again. Because if you're going to trot him out again, I'm going to be more more annoyed by the whatever f- technology you're going to do on his face or whatever. Like, you're just muddying the waters. You got your moment. It, it, we all went nuts. Take, take, your, take your bows and, and move on. Yeah. 
So let me ask you this, because this is something I've been thinking a lot about since the episode premiered. Obviously, we're dealing with a period of time in between Jedi and Force Awakens of 30 years. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of space for telling stories, new stories, new characters, whatnot. There's also a lot of space for exploring what happened to characters we know about. And given the cultural impact of Star Wars and how it's just like ingrained itself into our lives, is there a point where we can be okay with or even want them to recast some of the iconic roles with younger talent so that we can get potentially new stories. So what I guess what I'm asking is like, are we treating the roles of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Princess Leia as so sacred that no other actor can ever touch them? Or are we treating them more like Hamlet where it's become <laughs> characters of such a caliber where it's going to, they're going to have different interpretations. Uh, I, I know that it kind of falls apart because there's not a definitive, you know, uh, depiction of Hamlet. So it would probably be more of akin to like Superman or Batman. Yeah, but like, even can, even in that even in that instance, they tend to have new universes represent each iteration. Yeah. Star Wars is one universe, and if it's on screen now, it's canon. So, no, they're, they're not going to recast those roles. Um, they tried that with Solo, and the movie's fine. The movie's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But two things, two things with Solo. One, it took place in a much further period, a much further back period of time where Harrison yeah. Ford obviously is not going to pass as Younger than a New Hope Harrison Ford, right? And two, whether we like it or not, which we do, but Solo did not do well. So I feel like the message received by Lucasfilm and Disney there is we can't touch, we cannot touch those original people again. They are sacred, they're set in stone, and that's it. I will, and I will you know what? Of... I I'll I did I did we talk we talked about recasting Black Panther? Did we not? Yes. And I kind of said yeah. like sentimentally, I understand why you would never want to do it. You 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 would want Chadwick Boseman's legacy to be he was Black Panther. The end. Right. At the same time, we talked about the impact, the cultural impact that movie had. You. <sighs> You know, it's important that that character can live on, and recasting might be the best thing. You know how? Yeah. But with Star Wars, I think it's it's a little different. <laughs> um, it it's just out of I, uh, and I hate to say that because I I don't want to I don't want to sound like like a hypocrite, yeah. but like we're talking about forty plus years of these people are yeah. these characters. Period. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? For a franchise that is so, and I'm, and this is part of the bigger point that we're 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 going to get into all this. I guess we're getting there. We're getting there now. We're not even talking about yeah. Mando really at this point, which is 
again, part of the bigger. Um, well, this is part. This is part of the reason. Um, for a franchise, this franchise can't move on. It just can't. So, you know, I'm. Yeah. If you if you if you if you recast Luke, Leia, and Han, you you're proving that you just can't get away from this. So yeah. Um. But I digress. I, I digress because I have a much bigger yeah. I have a much bigger realization yeah. and and then and we still talk about the the actual proper Mando season and what we liked what we yeah. didn't like because I have a lot of thoughts on that too about yeah. the season itself. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and stand on a rock and say that these characters can never be recast. We can never see them in any incarnation other than these three actors, one of which who unfortunately is no longer with us, playing these characters. Because I love the characters and I would like to see you know, part of me does want to see new stories about these characters but again, that's very sacred ground that you're treading on and if you're going to do it, you've got to make sure you do it right. So I'm not beating down Disney's door for a Luke Skywalker Disney Plus series starting Sebastian Stan. Right. You know, but if they came out tomorrow and said, hey, we're going to explore the possibilities of including these legacy characters in something new. You know, either in this time period, this 30-year time period, or in stories prior to episodes 4, 5, and 6. Um, yeah, I've, I've always said there, there, there are two movies you can never remake. And that's the original Star Wars and Casablanca. Um, but if Hollywood has shown us anything... Those one day that eventually happen. All right, let's talk. Let's move into the third phase of this. Let's talk about the effect and like the shock waves of this after it's happened. And this has had like positive effects, but in my opinion, from my perspective, predominantly, unfortunately, negative effects. Because please go on. The positive effects, like we talked about with the emotion of the moment, getting that thing that was established and whatnot. The negative effects, I feel, are a lot of people's need to tear down something in order to exalt something else. Like, Everyone's saying, you know, coming out and saying, John Favreau and Dave Filoni saved Star Wars, you know, you know, death to the sequel series, whatnot. Like, no, you guys are, are missing the point. There is nothing that has been created that has the Star Wars name on it that hasn't brought joy to someone on some level. And those things, even though they may not be your cup of tea in Star Wars, those things don't need to be torn down 
and belittled to elevate this moment that Luke Skywalker showed up and got back. This was not a moment where Star Wars was saved. First off, Star Wars didn't need to be saved. You know, and just doing a lot of the toxic fan reaction to this moment has been somewhat disheartening. Unfortunately, not surprising as far as 2020 goes. Well, Star it's, Wars. it's Star Wars, man. I, I, I'm yeah, sorry, I mean, but this, fran- this franchise fandom is uh, not the most well-adjusted. Um, so, anyway. Um, so, but you... You've had thoughts on this and like how this moment has impacted your perception on a lot of things beyond within Star Wars, beyond Mandalorian. And so, talk about that. It, 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 it what that Luke Skywalker showing up and seeing all of that. Now, we can get into some, some discussion on. Would Luke Skywalker, post-Return of the Jedi, do those things that he did in this episode? And I might contend, as cool as it was, I don't know that he would do those things. Because I have a very different interpretation of the character post-Return of the Jedi than Star Wars fandom seems to have X amount of years removed from Return of the Jedi. This is part of my larger point, and I guess is is this where we? Is, you want my you want my big my big revelation that hit yeah. me? Okay, no, go ahead. Yeah. So, for however many years, what year did episode one ninety nine episode one came out? Is that yes. right? Yeah. Well, then I guess as far back as nineteen ninety nine, when I walked out of the theater confused as hell, uh, I, I've had this weird relationship I, th- I think a lot of us have with star wars what because because if you're a, someone of, of our age we grew up we grew up with the three movies when all there was was the three movies right and there was books and stuff that came out in the early 90s some comics but like that was rare you know, that was like ancillary and and that was even kind of a big deal at the time for fans that grew up with it in the VHS generation. Like, oh, wait, there's more Star Wars. Oh, wow. You know, it was real novel in a way. Right. Yeah. The movies in, in between in between 1985, Lucas basically shut Star Wars down in 1985. Right. So in between 85 and whenever, when the first Zon book came out, which I think was like mid, early to mid-90s, there was nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in that time span, a generation grew up with these movies on VHS, and, and they were the Bible, okay? As far as, you know, they were it. You were it. In it, you. This was it. You. This was your religion. Start this, and here it is. Here is the tome. This is it. And that's that's me, right? But it's but it but it's not just that. It's not just it's not just the fact that I grew up with that. 
that moment when Luke Skywalker shows up in Mandalorian, some it it all all the confusion over the prequels and their legacy, the sequels and their legacy, and like all this, hell, oh, what 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 it what is missing from Star Wars? What is what does it need? What's why why doesn't it feel the same way? Yada yada, crystal clear. The moment Luke Skywalker showed up for me, and I'll tell you, this is this is it. This is the, the the epiphany that I had. And you can disagree. Star Wars is the story of Luke Skywalker. Told over three movies from 1977 to 1983. It was designed that way. The entire world, universe, script, story, and characters are there to support that story in those three movies and that story ended in 1983 and we loved we loved it and our imaginations had run wild for so long thinking about what could have been what what things meant what illusions were and we had all these we had and we had the toys that we could have all these imaginary battles and 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 fulfill our fantasies but at the end of the day Star Wars was the story of Luke Skywalker. It it was. That's what the scripts were. It was Luke's journey. And it ended. Until it didn't. Until the franchise had to become a thing. Now, if you love the world and you love all the prequels and all this ancillary stuff, and I love The Mandalorian, so don't get me wrong. I do love some of this stuff, but I've gotten to a point in that it was the moment that Luke showed up that I, it, it just all dawned on me. I will never love any of this the same way because ultimately it's not the same. It's, it's, it's ancillary. It's extra, and it doesn't matter, and it will never matter to me in the same way. And... You might think I'm I'm just an old man shouting into the sky or whatever, old man yelling at cloud, but those three movies were Star Wars. Star Wars ended at a certain point until it got brought back and they had to make sense out of all of it and tell new stories with it, and clearly that's been a real mixed bag. And it's been a mixed bag because there's just no clear... There's just no clear protagonists that we follow and root for and empathize with and follow on the journey the way we did with Luke Skywalker in those original movies. That's, that was my big epiphany. And I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand that until I saw Luke again on that, on that ship doing all that stuff, which I have feelings about as well. But again, when I saw Luke again, it was like, I get it now. Like, the emotions came back in me in, in a big, bad way. It was like, oh, my God, Luke Skywalker. Look at Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker in 2020 on my television screen doing stuff. And I felt like I hadn't felt since I was a kid watching Return of the Jedi in that moment. And that's when it just became clear to me. I'm in this for Luke's journey. Luke's journey ended, and I'm okay with that. And all this other stuff... I'm not saying you can't love it. I'm not saying that, it, you know, you love what you love. Go nuts. But 
I have a very clear picture now, and and I'm and I'm okay. Star, I know, I know, Star Wars is never going away. I know Star Wars is never going to die. Too much money at stake. But for me personally, I will never have the emotional stake in it that I had with Luke Skywalker as as the central focus that it was designed to be. I think, I mean, for anyone who has watched the show or watched, listened to our show up until this point, have heard us discuss Star Wars numerous times. Anyone knows we both approach Star Wars differently. Yet we love it equally. You know, the form that that love takes is different, but neither one is any less valuable than the other. Um, I think that, like, for... I would say for most Star Wars fans, if you could say you can only have one Star Wars thing for the rest of your life, they would say, I need the original three films, and that's it. Because that's the... That's like... For... Regardless of how you approach Star Wars, regardless of, of where your fandom originates from, those three films are very least the bedrock and foundation of everything that is Star Wars. For, for some, it differs for others, whereas for you, like, those three films are the foundation, they're the house, they're everything. The beginning, middle, and the end. Um... You know, for me, they're they're the foundation and uh, and the guts of the house, the bones of the house. To use a real estate term, if you will. Um, but I like everything, you know, most everything that's been built around it. Um, you know, it, it seems that as we discussed with the prequels and whatnot, you know, it'd be be really funny. What if, like, what if the the prequels were executed better? I'm very, I'm very curious as to that alternate timeline, Drew, how he views Star Wars as a whole, if the prequels were executed better. Because it seems like for a lot of people, that's where it all just kind of went, started going downhill. Now, get, let's, let's get into Mandalorian Season 2 proper. Um, did you like Season 2? Overall, yes, with a big butt. So, yes, I did like Mandalorian Season 2. Some great episodes, some great moments. Um, We get to see returning friends. Boba Fett showed back up. But that's not even like what I'm referring to. You know, we get to see uh, Carl Weathers again. Um, If you were to tell me that I would almost demand... A Bill Burr spinoff <laughs> TV show, I wouldn't believe you. But I, after that episode, I would watch that show, dude. I, I will attend that man's head talk. Man, they gave it, and I don't. I'm not trying to slag. Uh, I'm not going to be the fan that you talked about that's slagging the sequels because I I don't feel that way. But they gave Bill Burr's character more character development in one episode of The Mandalorian than, like, Finn got in three movies. That's terrible. Not like, wrong. I, 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 I mean, there's hyperbole there, but I'm not, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. That scene was excellent. 
And I, I was like, oh my God, this dude has layers that we didn't even consider. And he's like, mind blown. Excellent. Excellent. That, that, that episode was great. That scene was fantastic. Um, I loved it. It was so awesome. Um, there, there wasn't a bad episode in the season. They've yet to have a bad episode. Yeah, no, it's all pretty good. Um, I didn't, I didn't have quite as many, well, outside of Luke showing up, which yeah. we'll get, I, I, we'll, I have some more things to say about it, but anyway, we, we, we didn't, we, I, we, didn't, we didn't get, um, we, we kind of covered, I have one other thing I want to talk about that, but, um, yeah. there was no like emotional, uh, stingers in this season in quite the same way as the first season in the first season, like for instance, um, Nick Nolte's character, uh, cool. like when he dies, like it, that, that hurts that that yeah. hurt you know i felt that uh when ig11 sacrifices himself to save mando and the baby like you, 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 you know i felt that right and i don't know that there was quite as much of that this season we didn't really have any character deaths like big character deaths i'm not saying people had to die uh, it's just it's just the overall yeah, emotional no, I, I get what um yeah, it was I think this season was really good. I think if anything this season is where they kind of went, listen. If it's said to be canon, it's fair game to be included. Because there were things from the films that were included, mm-hmm. there were famously things from the animated series that were included, mm-hmm. and there were things from even video games yep. that were included. And they're they're just you know, setting a bar saying, listen, this is a world in which stories happen and exist in other places. And because the form of that story may be different than the form of this story, it doesn't mean it's not happening in this world. Um, And that's something I really, really liked that they did. Um, Obviously, up until Luke showed up, the biggest thing that happened this season was we got a soap as a live-action realization, played fantastically by Rosario Dawson in an episode directed by Dave Filoni. The episode itself, like Soka's appearance aside, the episode itself is just like a fantastic homage to like Kurosawa, oh, yeah. uh, samurai fights, and Western, yeah. you know, gunfights. Michael Bean's in the episode, which is just <laughs> awesome. Um and it's just it's seeing that character, and I, I've watched the I've watched both Clone Wars and Rebels, and really enjoyed that character. One of the few uh, new characters. When I say new, I mean like created post original films uh, that has really ingrained herself and in, in ingratiated herself to the majority of Star Wars fans just a well-written character well done um she her her journey in clone wars is very well flushed out she famously leaves the jedi order uh she disagrees with him leaves it so she is not a jedi per se um and just like how rosario dawson played her was pitch perfect you know fully again a character that's fully realized and confident, but 
you still see like a lot of the tragedy and heartache that she has had to go through. Um, you know, Boba Fett, you and I, I've never flown the big Boba Fett fan, fan flag and whatnot. <coughs> but I thought, okay, if you, it's, it's like I've always said, tell me a good story and I'll forgive you some sins. You know, one thing I didn't want them to do this season that they ended up not doing that I'm sure with the book of Boba Fett coming out, we're going to find out sooner or later is telling me how he survived. I don't care how he survived. <laughs> it's like, he's here. He's, he clearly has like, you know, scars on his face and head. So it was, it clearly wasn't easy getting out of the Sarlacc pit. Um, you know, one thing I absolutely loved, it's going to sound weird, but I got to see the inside of Boba Fett's ship, and they showed kind of like how. Yeah, what it yeah, yeah, yeah. And a big gyroscope. Like, that is so cool, because yeah. that is one of those things. Ever since seeing that ship in Empire, you're like, how does that work? Okay, how, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they showed it, and it wasn't like they didn't focus on her or anything. No, had to no like it just happens. It's, you're just like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, the the uh, appearance of Bo-Katan and Katie Sackhoff playing Bo-Katan, who voiced Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars and in Rebels and just gets to play the character now and just like fantastically done. Seeing these characters that I've grown to really enjoy and love in these series transferred into a new medium of this world and being able to see them in this story and like I'm happy that you now get to meet these characters. You may not feel about them the same way. And I can only hope, and I'm sure that Bob and Filoni have proven, you know, masterful storytellers throughout this, that you will develop an appreciation for these characters as, as many of us have. Um, but you getting to meet these characters was a great thing for the season for me. And like, you didn't, the fact, and we we talked about a couple of the episodes, you know, mid season and whatnot. Like, you know, the fact that they came from the animated series didn't lead you to immediately discount them. You just like, okay, here they are; they're part of the story. They weren't. They seemed. They well, worked I, in the story. I yeah, I trusted. I trusted Favreau to to, to introduce like. And this is also part of my gripe with this season, but my statement overall is they keep everything focused on the Mandalorian. This is his story. So we're not going to divert too much away. So we lose that. We lose focus of that. So they were in service of his story. He, they, their, their, their paths cross, but we're always, we're always on Mando's path. We don't go off with Bo-Katan. We don't go off with, with Ahsoka. Like, they're just there in, in in service to Mando's story. And they're interesting. You know, they're cool. I mean, Katie Sackhoff fan since BSG. So great to see her here. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's go. Sign me up for more. Um, and Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson, again, big fan. So great job. Um, if fans are happy that, you know, they're coming from the cartoons and they think that fan, they're, they're happy with the performances and whatnot, great. I'm happy for them for me it's it's neat you know um i'm always looking at things from a slightly bigger 
perspective and Bo-Katan and Ahsoka serve the Mandalorian's story, um, Din, Din Jaren's story in this season. Yeah. Now, this is where things get kind of dicey, though, because the point of the season, there was two main thrusts thematically of the season. One is, hang on, I might have lost track. <laughs> okay, there's two main thrusts of the season. One is Din's, are we, are we cool calling him Mando, Din, you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't even know how people want to. Okay. Mando. Mando. The one main thrust of the season is establishing Mando's clear bond with the child, with Grogu. We learn his name. Grogu, yes. yay. It's, whatever. It's a name. Um, so we start the season. He's still on the mission to deliver him. But we also see there is a connection deeper than that forming. That's, yeah. that's prong one. Prong two of the season, which Bo-Katan uh, plays into, is Din's <sighs> crashing up against what it is that he believes in in terms of being a Mandalorian. His interpretation of that is, I can never take this helmet off if people can see me yet, you know, like, I can never take it off in front of someone. This, this is the way. This is the way. He meets Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks, respect. Um, And that, and and their character, those characters show up, and they're Mandalorians, take their helmets off, and they immediately say, oh, he's one of those. He yeah. doesn't even know about them like that. That's even a thing. Yeah. So clearly his worldview is being challenged. Like, wait a minute. Maybe this is not the way they're, they're not the way, but they're Mandalorian. What, why, why am I doing this? And they're not. So yeah. he's being challenged. Bill Burr's character shows up and he like that conversation in the truck was pretty direct. He's basically, he calls him on like everything. It's like so what yeah. you 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 can't be seen by anybody or you can't show your face and there's a different you know like he's, he basically says like there's a difference between what you're what you think and what you're doing yeah. and then when he you know he takes this helmet off and that's another big moment he takes the helmet off yeah. in that in that base in front of other people because the child's life is at stake so we've already established yeah. he is now he's he's more committed to Grogu than he is to the way to what his way has been and these are all big thematic moments and they're and so great great fantastic the problem and as as much as we all love and, and felt things with Luke Skywalker showing up the problem is it completely overshadowed the journey we were on with 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 Mando like, totally right. overshadows it. Totally. Yeah. It, it's <sighs> like, five, like you're going to remember ten minutes, not eight episodes. Yeah. Look at look, look look what we've talked about up to this point. It, yeah, like you're you're going to remember Luke Skywalker, not the fact that you know the tornado DDP is now Star Wars can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. 
Sheila just did that. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying there. I think that even though there is that overshadowing, season three is looking really interesting because the big hook sure, 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 of sure. the show has always been Grogu. He has been the one that has gotten casual viewers to watch the show. Now, you know, do you remove him for an entirety of at least one season? And it seems like in a lot of ways the story is steering Mando towards Mandalore and things that happen there. Like, we learn that yeah. You know, like yeah. you mentioned, when they say, oh, you're one of those, that the ones that he has pledged to and whatnot are considered an extreme death watch or considered an extremist sect of Mandalorian culture. Right. Now, death watch washed out a lot in the, in the animated series. Um, but, like, it seems that... It seems that the story of Mando is not completely unlike mirroring the story of like a Luke Skywalker or an Arthur before he's king. Like, you know, not saying it's going to go there with him being the ruler of Mandalore, but that's definitely a direction they could be steering. And we could be seeing him from those small, humble beginnings before he finds his Excalibur or finds the way that leads him back to Mandalore to reestablish it. Well, because I don't know, I don't know canonically where Mandalore is right now in this time frame. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't worry so much about that. Only because my 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 read of it is you are right that he is now being pulled into that Mandalorian leadership conflict, right? Right. And that seems to be the direction of his story. But I I I, I also think you're missing the big picture. And the big picture is he's he sends Grogu off with Luke. Now, number one, he did that a little too easily a little too readily and i think the the writing and the execution there was a little little slack little slack i i because i say that because number one he doesn't know who luke is at all he just shows up and wrecks stuff and he just goes like oh hey are you a jedi okay here which flies in the face of the connection that we talked about and the theme of this of the season being that that connection and even when he's going to send him off to further illustrate the point of that connection, he takes his helmet off again so that Grogu can see him without it before yeah. he goes. It's like, it's, it's so obvious. Like, the, the point of this show, all that Mandalorian stuff, yeah, they're going to probably do something with that, but I think the bigger thematic issue is going to be Mando is not he's not whole because he let the kid go so i expect season three to be him it's all the other mandalorian stuff is going to happen i think but that's not going to be the point the, the the central 
focus for him is going to be, I miss the kid and we, I got to get the kid back. There's going to be some kind of thing that's because you and I both know, we both know that kid does not die when Kylo Ren burns down the temple. Ain't happening. You better not. No, no way in hell. Not, not a chance, not a chance. So you've got, and not to mention, in terms of time, we've got plenty of time yeah. between that Mando and, and Force Awakens where he doesn't have to be there. So I, th- yeah. I would say that the next season of Mando, whenever that happens, by the way, um, you're going to see Mando go and get the child they will be together again and it's going to be very important. Like, I think that's just Mando's journey at this point is realizing that's what he needs. That that's, that's his way. He, his way now is raising that child. Yeah. I I don't, I, I think that the conflict within him is that his culture and being shown a way of life they'd never known before. What he perceives his culture to be, the Mandalorian culture, the way. You know, he was tasked with returning Grogu to a Jedi. Like, that was his task and what he had to execute, and he was fully dedicated to doing that. Now, along the way, he established a strong emotional bond with Grogu. Um, and I don't think that the releasing of Grogu to Luke was necessarily easy for him, nor do I think he did it easily. I think because in a lot of ways he also showed trust in Grogu because Grogu showed, you know, through his, and again, the 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 puppet work on Grogu is beyond amazing. What the emotion they're able to get out of a puppet. The only time I ever bump up against is when someone picks him up. Because then he just blatantly looks like a toy. It's like, um, when, they, it's like when they pick up Gizmo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly it. Um, and so like, and now, like that, and he's being shown not only that, but he's being shown that this culture that he believes in doesn't fully exist in the same way he thought it did and how he's been taught his entire life. So I think, like, yeah, the Grogu connection is important, and I would not be surprised one way or another if Grogu showed up again next season. Um, I'd be interested to see what a season of just Mandalorian without the, for lack of a better term, the hook of Grogu being there would be like. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, another thing, just jumping back to the, the big reveal at the end. Um, one thing I really liked that they did was Grogu's initial connection and his initial initial willingness to leave wasn't 100% because of Luke. It was also because R2 showed up. And R2 is 
one of those first things we meet in our Star Wars journey, if you do it right. You know, if you start with Episode 4, New Hope, and actually, we just watched it today. It's kind of a New Year's New Year's Day tradition I have is to watch A New Hope. Um, R2 is one of the first things you see and meet. So, you know, the, the meta way of thinking, the, the symbolism of a child connecting with R2 and being willing to go on that journey was something that kind of spoke to me right away. Um, but I... I think they're going to do some really interesting things. The story's obviously going to get a lot bigger um, now. There's some obviously some questions we have at the end of last season. One of one of the bigger questions, I'm sure you've seen this on online or whatnot, is in in Rebels, Bo-Katan gets the dark saber from a character named Sabine Wren, who's also another Mandalorian. There is no combat for the saber. She gives it to Bo-Katan, and Bo-Katan takes it. Now, I have enough faith in Favreau and Filoni. I noticed you kind of left him out when you mentioned that. Um, that they're going to explain that and explain it in a way that works. But, like, yes, traditionally that is passed through combat, and it has been the story. But there's that thing there, like, okay... It wasn't here. Why? Why can it be here again? Then, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I thought it was, it was a great season. Um, you know, there's nothing they did that I didn't like. I'm really interested to see where it's going to go next season. Um, just to, like the deep cuts that they're willing to do, like I mentioned to you guys in the chat, I think it was like last week or something, and there is a, there's another, they call it the Gallery Series on Disney+. Plus. Um, last season they did eight episodes of it. This season they just did like one one-hour episode. It's all behind-the-scenes stuff. Some really cool stuff in there. And ironically, and it shows you like how tight a lid they kept on this. There is nothing about the Luke Skywalker reveal in the gallery series episode, because you got to figure that's all got to be like shot and edited way beforehand. So they were keeping a tight lid on that. I hope we get some sort of behind the scenes thing on that at some point. But like one of the things like the ice spiders in the second episode, I think it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are an off the page Ralph McQuarrie, design that was not used in Empire Strikes Back for Dagobah. How, like, Favreau and Filoni are so tuned in to this world, and they know, like, yeah, you've seen the memes out there, but again, the memes are another example of tearing something down to exalt something else, and I just, I don't agree with that, but, like, they understand what it takes to satisfy, for lack of a better term, you know, OG fans like us, and still appeal to and bring in new fans. And they are just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that they are doing a tremendous job. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo the memes too much because I, I, I. I 
I, eh, it's hard to argue that Fobbs and Filoni are, are they, they get something at a fundamental level that JJ apparently did not. And whoever was, yeah, no, I'm I'm not arguing that I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, but there is a means of communicating an idea you can do it in a way that doesn't crap on something that probably brought someone else joy at the same time. I feel you, but we're still, as Matt Hardy might say, the truth is the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy that I can say that to you. You understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) The truth is the truth. In any case, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where it all goes. I think they're going to keep the, the, the tight focus on the Mandalorian butting up against what he, his personal journey, is kind of the more important thing than all the all this Mandalore world leadership and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all window dressing. Let let the fan let let the the Uber fans have that conversation. I don't think that's what the Mandalorian's about. And I don't think that's what season three is going to be about. It'll be a part of it. It'll be an episode or a thematic part of it. But I think the bigger journey is still centered on Din and his personal. uh, It's his personal journey. He's going to rub. He is going to rub up against all of this more. What is all of this? Why do I care? Is this the way? Is this the way? Is yeah. this the way? I don't... Do I even care about the way anymore? No. Where's the kid? That was the way. That was my way. I, I think that's going to be the more overarching thematic thing. And all the and all that other stuff's going to fall into place, and it'll be what it's going to be, but that's not going to be the thrust of what the next season's about, in my opinion, anyway. Even Boba Fett... I, I, I should have said it before. Even Boba Fett showing up um, is another angle in Din's character's evolution. He sees this guy in Mandalorian armor who is not a Mandalorian at all, and it's just another it's another wrinkle in like, yeah, what what is all of this, and what does it really mean? This guy this guy's not even one of my people. He rocks it, and it mean it, but the armor means something to him. But he's not one. Of, he's not one of us, you know. Yeah. So it's just it's all in service to his own journey into figuring out what what does all this mean, and and, and does and, it matter? Yeah. It's also funny because like at the end of the like first full episode where Boba comes back, like he shows Mando like, look, I'm. I'm more you than you are them. Like, because mm. I'm a foundling. You're a foundling too. You're not like pure blood Mandalorian. You're a foundling. Right. And, you know, Django is a foundling and by, by heritage, Boba is a foundling. Um, and so that, like, again, that's, there's what he, he had kind of like tunnel vision of what his culture was. And this season has been about widening that scope yeah. of his yeah. culture. 
and it's going in multiple different ways, and it's really interesting the way they did it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I and and again, we 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 would be talking about all of that a lot more if not for the finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's and that's so and that's long- that's a bummer, you know. Like as cool yeah. as that moment was, it's totally pulled the rug out from all this stuff we're talking about about the show that we like and what it was about. So, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. Um, but the important thing is that, you know, we still got a great season. Yeah. Oh, dude, and totally. Mando's great. Season three apparently is coming in less than a year. So Really? Okay. Yeah, December 2021. I thought uh, Favreau said they were skipping um, a year and doing the Book of Boba Fett, and then Season 3 would pick up after that. As far as I know, they announced Season 3 for 2021, unless they said something after, because everything I saw said Mandalorian Season 3 2021. I do not remember, per se, if I saw this before or after the finale. After so the finale, he was on Good Morning. Yeah, Favreau was on Good Morning America or something, and he he said Book of Boba Fett is next, and then season three yeah. will take place after that. So I think and, they're and taking so, a break. Yeah, and, and touching on Book of Boba Fett, we got a post credit scene. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The finale. Uh, we go back to Jabba's palace, and there's there's Big Fortuna, very much not blown up. All right, he jumped. That, that was, he jumped off like a coward before it blew up. Which he was, okay, fine. Yeah, believable. Yeah, he seems like a cowardly wimp, he right? Was he was Fortuna Lee? Blown away from the sail barge. Yeah. So it's not just a, it's, so it's not just a clever name. Yeah, and he's trying to live <laughs> up to job. He's, he's trying to live up to job of the hut. Yeah, right, is, right, right. Oh boy! But and fun little Easter egg that staff he was holding. Yeah. Um, is a replica of the staff that came with the Bib Fortuna action figure. <laughs> Ah. on screen magnificent that see that's but, that's fan service i can get behind yeah but <laughs> Boba Fett shows up shoots bib and just sits on the throne um i am i am totally okay with boba fett the godfather <laughs> yes um, yes that's great i don't, I don't I don't need to know how he survived. No need the big backstory or whatnot. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna do an episode where they show how he did. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Give me, you know, Boba Fett. I, I'm not sure where the the Star Wars canon crime families are in this. They mentioned that the Huts abandoned Tatooine. There's the Huts, the Black Sun Syndicate. Um, couple other things so who knows we'll see yeah i no, didn't even know more good guy show me boba fett crime lord yeah well, that's that seems to be what you're what you're gonna get so uh i don't know if we're gonna get a chance to talk about this again before we i mean we're getting 
we've, we've said we've said pretty much all we want to say, right? Yeah. But I do want to I do want to uh, throw one last thought on the Luke scene at you. We might have talked okay. about this in chat. Um, this is just you know going back to my there. There's the original movies, and they are what they are, and that's my that's that's Star Wars to me. Um, yep. As cool as it is to see Luke go go off and destroy and and be full height of his powers, Jedi height of his powers, yep. Jedi. Um, my contention might be when he throws his lightsaber away at the end of Return of the Jedi it's not just it, it, it's it's a pivotal moment it's the moment where he realizes combat and fighting don't make him a Jedi it's when he refuses the, the, the dark side entirely and all that it that all and all that it encompasses, he throws his weapon away, and says, "I'm a, I'm a Jedi. You failed. Come at me." Now, granted, the Emperor goes at him hard after that, but yeah. it was that act of pacifism that fully commits Luke to the Jedi cause. Let me take it a, a, a step further than that. My interpretation of the Jedi and the Force and Yoda in particular has had always been and will always be Attack of the Clones, get out of here. Yoda did not use a lightsaber because he didn't have to. Number one, he never had to because he was just that strong in the in the force telekine- telekinesis and all that business. What what whatever, whatever you want to call it. He was so strong and so connected that physical combat to him was just it was just beyond it was beneath him, far beneath him. And on top of that, it flew in the face of his whole ethos and being which was basically wars not make one great and a jedi uses his knowledge is the uses the force for knowledge and events right never for attack right never for attack the lightsaber so in other words when luke renounces the lightsaber at the end of jedi that's when he becomes a jedi a true jedi in the sense of like Yoda. Not like Obi-Wan, not like the knights and all that. No, no. He's not a he's not a Jedi Knight anymore. He's a Jedi Master. Combat, lightsaber, that's that's beneath him. So when he shows up in, in Mando, like going full destructo mode, it's like, it's cool. It's look, we we already said it's cool. But on the deeper level, it's like that's it's it's beneath Luke Skywalker at this point in his life to do any of that. I will throw one caveat at you. The only way it makes a sense that I can that I can reconcile it and be okay with it 
he was going full destructo Jedi crazy against machines, not against living beings. And I think that's that's in character with Luke Skywalker at that point. So, one of the things that I love in storytelling is when the moment where evil realizes it's going to lose. (laughs) And my favorite moment in that episode was when Moff Gideon looked at the monitor and knew who was there. And the fear in his face That moment, chef's kiss. Um, they, they establish that Gideon was uh, Imperial ISP, which is, I believe, the Imperial Security Bureau. So, like, Imperial CIA, you know, KGB, that's what the ISP is. He's going to know who Luke Skywalker is. I think everybody knows who Luke Skywalker is at a certain point. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one else on the bridge knew that. Like, I, I think they did. Din Jaren didn't, didn't, but I think Cara Dune did. She didn't say anything, but I think she knew. She was, she was Alliance. She was Rebel Alliance. Yeah. She might never have met him, but the moment he walked on the bridge, I think she knew. Like, Luke Skywalker. Right. So, Can't say anything, but it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> So that was like my favorite moment of the episode. Yeah, um, yeah, it was cool. I, I'm not, I'm not saying your interpretation is invalid. It's not necessarily interpretation that I personally agree with. I think Luke's throwing away of his lightsaber in that moment is not a rejection of combat per se, but a rejection of his own potential emotional reaction to the moment that he is in right now no i i agree with that he's taking himself out of a of a potentially bad moment he's he's come to the the precipice of the dark side in his assault on vader yeah no i i i get that i'm saying it's that and this was like with yoda even if you want even if you don't want to acknowledge like what's been shown in the prequels and I don't. and stuff as far as Yoda <laughs> goes. That if you don't want to do it, that's fine. If you simply take Yoda for as he is in Empire, someone that old and that experienced doesn't get to that point in their life and that confidence and that philosophy without making some mistakes along the way and learning along the way. So I think that even in that interpretation, you can't necessarily say that Yoda is saying, you know, lightsaber combat is not the way. He's saying, like, at its core, this is what the Force is. This is what it means to be a Jedi. For knowledge and defense. Lightsaber is part of that defense. 
a lightsaber like like anything else in a religion or a philosophy can be taken and corrupted. And so, again, taking Yoda simply as he is an empire, his words, to me at least, my interpretation conveys a very long life of, of experience and potentially mistakes to get him to the point of where he's at to be able to say those things to Luke. I don't think he's necessarily telling Luke to never use a lightsaber. And I don't think, like, Luke is rejecting combat as a whole as a means of defense by throwing the lightsaber away in Jedi. But again, in, in a world where we only have those three films, it's definitely an interesting conversation to have. So, again, two philosophies on a galaxy far, far away. Um, but I think that pretty much, unless you've got anything else you want to mention about Mandalorian Season 2 or anything else we talked about today? No, no, I'm, I'm, I think we've said it all. All right. Well, folks, this was a lot of fun. Um, it was nice to be able to actually see Drew again. And Drew, there is his drink. Uh, Timing, I've see? Timed it perfectly. My water. Um, this was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do this again. Quite possibly going forward. Um, we appreciate you as always. Next episode, it's all about you guys and gals. Um, listener questions, viewer questions, you know, interact with us in chat. We'll be back here probably live streaming again. Um, these, this will also be available. This is our standard episode that we're doing. So this will be available later in the week on all the normal outlets, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, all the usual stuff we tell you about. Um, in the meantime, we want to thank you very much for joining us. If you would like to reach out to us and communicate with us, you can do so at the following social media locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. Uh, you can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. That being said, Drew, any last words? Happy New Year, everybody. And as I said earlier, be excellent to each other. Let's make sure 2021 is better than 2020. Indeed. Well said. Just. I see you. I see you. Get papers. <laughs> All right, folks. This has been a lot of fun. Brody, we miss you. Rest well. Um, yeah, have a have a great week. Let's let's have a great year. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one.